Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers, joined by John DeShazer. Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by somebody who's covered the Saints for a while and most recently just wrote a book about legendary quarterback Drew Brees. It is Mike Neighbors. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be on with you. I appreciate you uh, letting me tell you about the book very much. Just tell us about the book and what went into it and, and how much you've enjoyed kind of diving into that project. Well, I have new respect for anybody who's written a book because it's definitely a laborious process. Uh, a lot of proofs, a lot of uh, fact checking and, you know, back and forth with uh, your editors. So uh, it's been a fun process, though. And, uh, you know, I had the privilege of interviewing Drew after every game besides the 06 season for 14 of his 15 years. And after he retired, I thought, you know what, I have all this information I wanted to put it into a book because I felt like even though we had aired a lot of it, there were some we hadn't, and there were a lot of stories I thought Saints would really appreciate. So um, I have props for you. Yeah, uh, December the 9th is when it's going to be released. We try to do marketing right here at Neighbors Media Group. And uh, the book is called, here are more props, The Breeze Way. And really, uh, you know, when you write a book, the title is tricky because you want to have an appropriate book. And so much has been written about Drew. I wanted to bring to the table something different and, you know, we'll relive his career, but it's really away from the field. It's inside the locker room. Talked to a lot of his former teammates, a long conversation with Zach Streif about their ping pong battles, about their friendship. Uh, Lance Moore talks about a, uh, a culinary tip he gave Drew Brees. Roman Harper talks about, uh, not, not many people may know this, but they worked out together every Friday when they played together. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Drew Brees, all the interviews we did were going to be the foundation. But when I met with Doug Flutie, who wrote the foreword for this book, he's Drew Brees' mentor. He provided me a wealth of stories, a wealth of information. At that point, I knew it had to be more than just my interviews with Drew. When you interview a guy for that many years and that many times, you probably had more interviews with Drew Brees than anyone in the media. Um, what did you glean from it? What did you What did you learn about it? I mean, I know they're interviewing their snippets and you can't really get into a guy's soul, so to speak. Yeah. What did you learn about it? A couple things uh, that really stand out. I learned a lot, but a couple things that, that were above everything else is that we did nearly 300 one-on-ones together. And in not one of those points, after tough losses, after great wins, he was always the same. He was very even keel, never got short with me, uh, never had a moment where he was like, you know, I don't want to do it this week. I don't feel like doing it. And the other takeaway is he was better after a loss than a win. On all those record-breaking nights, he was great. But he was actually better after a loss, whether it was the no-call game against the Rams in the NFC Championship game or the Minnesota Miracle, because he knew he had a responsibility as the leader of the New Orleans Saints. If he was down – if he didn't present himself well publicly, it would carry over the rest of the team. And I know that meant a lot to him, but it's something I really respect because a lot of people over the years say, you know, at one point he had to have had a bad game where he didn't want to talk to you. And that was never the case. Okay. Now, I, I've got an intro before I give you this question, Mike, because I look at Mike Neighbors as a TV guy, quote unquote, and I think most people do. <laughs> Now you segue into writing, which is kind of my territory. I wish you'd stay on your turf because I don't need the competition. <laughs> but <laughs> when you decided to, to, to write, to, to put it down on paper, what was that process like for you? Uh, what was your writing background? And, and was it something that just kind of came natural for you, considering 
You know, you're talking about a book instead of an article. I like that you're vetting me, Jade. I'm ready for that. I'm ready. I had the best preparation because I I love to write. And I think as a a broadcaster or a journalist, that that should be at your core anyway. But I've written a blog for over 10 years. I wrote for MajorLeagueBaseball.com for years. I live in Tampa Bay and covered a lot of spring training, covered the Tampa Bay Rays for years. But the best preparation is at the ripe young age of 50, I went back and got my master's degree and I had to write a thesis it was the final hurdle. The thesis was harder than the book. The thesis took a part of my soul out of me. It was very difficult. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of had momentum, though, after that. I finished my thesis in April, and midway through the thesis, I started writing the book. So the carryover from the thesis to writing the book uh, was really seamless. And it was easier writing the book because, unlike the thesis, I didn't have to reference everything. It was based on experiences that I had with somebody and, I, and frankly you have wanted to write a book for years and now I want to write more after writing this one but I wanted to have the right book at the right time and Drew Brees will forever be important in New Orleans but right now obviously with him on NBC and him just being you know a few spirals away from the Saints huddle I think it's great to release this during the holidays for Saints fans because they'll always have great memories of Brees but these will be different memories and stories a lot of Saints fans I guarantee haven't heard before. Okay, now you say the thesis like took a piece of your soul. So I got to ask about the editing process because as a writer, when a person edits and sends it back to you after you feel like you got it just right, a little bit of a, you know, kick in the ego. So what was the process like for you when you continually go back and forth with an editor and you you feel like, you know, I think I said this exactly how I wanted to and the editor's like, no, you really didn't. You got to be humble and you, know, you got to take, you got to take advice. And I knew when I first got the draft from my editor that I appreciated it. There was a lot that I didn't know about the process that I had to get better. And frankly, knowing what I had to improve on once I got that feedback, it made the second draft better and the third and the fourth and the fifth. I think I've memorized this book. If you, if you gave me a quiz, <laughs> I could probably read chapter four per, you know, verbatim there. So you know, that, that's what you have to go through. Um, but, I, you know, the more you write and the more you get advice, you know it can be better. And just knowing that, uh, you know, it, it gives, you, gives you optimism about the process. Okay. Now, speaking of process, um, this year, Saints, um, and I don't know how to ease into this and segue into it, we've seen better days. Um, we're not accustomed to this lately. Um, I guess since 2017 or so, when they hit the mother load in that draft with Marshawn Lattimore and Alan Kamara and Ryan Ramchick and Marcus Williams. Um, this has been a team that has won four consecutive division titles. And now this season, five straight losses. We haven't seen anything like that. Um, what's this been this process for you? Because you've seen ups and downs with this team. And, and, and is this, this a reminder of a season for you in any way? I think what's amazing about this season John, is you look at early on, you know, there were holes in this team. I mean, the receiving core isn't what it should have been without Michael Thomas. You have a lot of young players there. But despite all that, before the avalanche of injuries, it just showed to me what a great coach Sean Payton is because he was still beating teams like the Packers and the Patriots and the Bucks. And we've seen in the past month, you know, losing the Camaros, the Ramchecks, the Armsteads, the bottom has fallen out because of all the injuries. But Sean Payton, even early on without Drew Brees and without Michael Thomas, the offense was still humming and still beating good teams. 
But I, I think the big takeaway is what an era it's been for the New Orleans Saints since 06. You know, I know you had the, the body year in 2012, which was tough. You had a, a four-game losing streak to begin 07. But for the most part, there was always hope, especially with Drew Brees. But now, obviously, we, we knew this all along. It was more than Brees. It was Sean Payton, too. So I think moving forward, having that coach in place and having a front office that has made the right moves, it's kind of ironic they play the Jets this week because the Jets have a reputation for not making the right moves and for having you know tough years year after year. I think this is an anomaly, but it's also a reminder that, you know what, Saints fans and anybody who's covered the team has had it pretty good for a long time. You get a sense that I don't <laughs> want to enjoyable is the word, um, but maybe that Sean Payton relishes the challenge of kind of reworking this and, and getting this franchise back to a position where he believes it should be. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I saw his frustration in Nashville after they lost the game. And you knew that, you know, they were outmanned. And that was a very good Tennessee Titans team, but they still had opportunities to win. And the fact that he's won with five different quarterbacks. I mean, you look at even when Breeze was out the last couple of years, he's met the challenge. Every time he's an underdog, you can see a little extra fire in Sean Payton. So I think there's no doubt about it. He, he likes challenges. He likes the odds against him. And even though the rest of the season is going to be tough with so many players being out, I, I still think he likes the challenge week in and week out. You can hear it in his voice even after games. And, you know, I said that about Breeze earlier that, I thought Breeze was better after losses. I think in a lot of ways, I think you'd agree with me, Sean Payton's often better after a loss than a win because he comes from that Bill Parcells line of thinking that I want to be harder on my guys when they're up. You know, yeah. I want to I kind of motivate them when they're down, but I don't want them to eat the cheese, so to speak, hear all the, the great things. But I've always thought Sean Payton was better in press conferences after losses, liking the challenge of, of getting his team back in gear. It's definitely been a different season for Saints fans and for the Saints players themselves. And they've said that they're not used to going through multiple losses in a row. But from what I've seen from the team, they're still coming at it and they're fighting every single game. And it seems like the attitude overall is still pretty good. How would you assess where they're at as far as the, the mentality goes? I agree with that. It's a great point. I think the standard has been set for this franchise going back to 06 and they've won and they've been a consistent winner for so long, not only at home, but on the road too, before the season. I mean, they've, they've had the whole package and I think the leadership in the locker room has been strong. You know, the DeMario Davis is the Cam Jordans. Obviously Drew Brees is gone, but I think Alvin Kamara has stepped up and having Mark Ingram back has been great too, because Ingram was such a mentor for Alvin Kamara. So I agree with you. I think the standard has been set in so many ways that it's gone down to the younger players. I mean, I've talked to several young players on this team and they're very disappointed after these losses, just knowing that the messages the veterans have sent to them. So I think if you're a Saints fan wondering what it's like in that locker room, they're as disappointed, obviously, more so than you are. They don't like this. They're not used to it and they want it to get better. Speaking of getting better, I think there's a good opportunity for that to happen this weekend as they face the Jets. What is it going to take to get the win there and break this losing streak? I just got to get healthy. I like to see Alvin Kamara back there. You know, Taysom Hill's been a gamer. I mean, he has the, the finger injury, and you hope he can get better too. But I think, uh, you know, I felt sorry for Trevor Simeon when he was in there because didn't have the weapons that he normally would. And I thought, you know, I mentioned that Nashville game. 
he played pretty well in the fourth quarter, you know, made some throws and gave him a chance to win. So I think if they get healthier, it'll be interesting. I like what Marshawn Lattimore says. We went out, we have 10 wins. And that NFC playoff picture, there's still a chance there. So this is a talented football team. I think if they get healthier, it'll be very interesting. And you know, Sean Payton will rally around so many who say, oh, they're done. Get ready for the NFL draft. The season's over. He thrives on stuff like that. Yeah, I've heard he gets pretty creative as far as his motivational tactics go. Have you yeah. heard him doing anything yet this season? You know, I haven't, but I, I enjoyed in the book talking to Breeze about how thorough Sean Payton is as a head coach uh, from, from everything and really getting the players' input on what they're happy about from the, the sweats they wear on the road, from the team hotel, details of the team hotel, every part of the experience as a player – Sean Payton is really in tune with the leadership of this football team. When Breeze was there, and I know that's mm -hmm. still the case. So I haven't heard anything yet. It's been more buttoned up. Uh, but, I mean, I love what Sean Payton has done in the past, bringing the money in that they could win if they make the playoffs or the, the mouse traps with eating the cheese. So I know he's got something up his sleeve. He always does. Are you talking about the book and, and Drew Breeze? Anything that stood out to you that you learned that you thought was really cool that you didn't know? and the years that you covered him? Yeah, this is something I thought was great. Uh, you know, back in 06, that was my actual first year covering the New Orleans Saints, and I was uh, working in the preseason more doing sidelines. And I remember they played a game in Jackson, Mississippi, and they had, had a horrible preseason. And all these, they'll even say it, you know, the castaways. A lot of players on that first Sean Payton team that were sent off from other teams, whether it was the linebackers and Scott Shanley and Mark Semino and Scott Pagina, who didn't play a game together until the first game that season. But in this book, Drew Brees talks about the exact moment in that game in Jackson against the Indianapolis Colts where he didn't play well. Peyton Manning lit up the Saints defense, but in that game, he made a throw. At that point, he knew he'd be okay. And he went and talked to Sean Payton about it. Peyton had a smile, but Breeze thought, he must think I'm crazy. But there's a great story at that point where Drew thought, you know what, I'm going to be okay. And really, this is a behind-the-scenes look, too, uh, of the legacy of Drew Breeze. Flutie has so many great stories about, you know, the advent of the quarterback challenges that we see in New Orleans today. He and Flutie started those back in the day and had a lot of fun. But also, I wanted to bring in a uh, three-generation New Orleanian family, and I brought the Romick family, who you guys know very well. I had a Zoom with them, five members of the Romick family, Mark, Jay, uh, their mom, and then Blake, who worked for the team for several years, to get perspective on what it was like to be a Saints fan before Drew Brees. And for members of the Romick family like Blake, all they know is Drew Brees. So it's a good perspective yeah. there, too. Now, Mike, I've got a question for you. We all kind of felt like Drew would be a natural in, in TV if that's what he decided to do. At any point, did he tip his hand to you during the years? I mean, because he never really, I guess, gave off a vibe of what exactly he would do. But, you know, we again, we felt like he'd be a natural if he decided to do any TV or anything like that. I thought he was going to retire after the 2019 season because I talked to him at the Pro Bowl. And Drew, as you know, he's a great interview, but he's, he's guarded too. He's, he's going to give you what Drew wants to give you. And that's yeah. why he's smart. And, you know, most, most leaders of football teams do that. But I asked him about TV and he just gushed about it. I think I'll be good at it. It's something I'm passionate about. I mean, we've asked Drew about politics, about being an entrepreneur, all these things over the years. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I may consider. He, 
he gushed over broadcasting. And I knew at that point, A, he's got an offer, but B, is he going to take it? And soon after that, we found out that NBC offered him a job. But also soon after that, we found out, you know, I think Sean Payton had talked to him, some teammates had lobbied for him at the Pro Bowl. He came back for one more year. But I also, you know, we've heard this since then, that he knew that was going to be his last year. But I really had a strong feeling at that, I guess, 2020 Pro Bowl, right after the 2019 season, that Drew Brees was going to retire. And I mentioned that I have nine chapters for number nine, but my ninth chapter is about Drew's feelings on broadcasting, the advice that Doug Flutie gave him about it, that Zach Street and Scott Shanley has an interesting prediction on what he thinks Drew would be good at moving forward. It's not politics. It's not his businesses. It's not broadcasting. So uh, I've learned in promoting books, you got to kind of leave the rest. About the book, right? Yeah, you're doing a good job of dangling just enough out there for us. I'm excited about it. It's been, a, as John says, uh, you know, a lot of people think I can't write a book. I think anybody can write a book. You need help to write a book, but you need passion to write a book. And, uh, you know, the fact that Drew and I did so much together for 14 years, it built a passion inside of me to write about it. But then when I got into the process, I wanted to go deeper, you know, talk to the Roman family, talk to Doug Flutie, talk to his teammates. It was, it was a lot of fun uh, once I finally hit the finish line. But, man, when you hit the finish line, you just want to release it and have everybody read it because uh, a lot of work went into it. Yeah, I know that John can relate. Sometimes you want to put so much more into an article, but you only have so much time and space. So a book is a, a really good way to kind of dive into all those behind-the-scenes stories a little bit more. If you could just kind of tell everybody where they could get the book. And you said it's December 9th is the official release date. Absolutely. Uh, props handy. Once again, December 9th is the official release date, which is obviously this Thursday, but it's on Amazon right now. You can pre-order it. Um, you can order the ebook and the book itself. And if you want an autographed copy, you can go to MikeNeighbors.com, N-A-B-O-R-S. And I have all my information. Uh, you can just send me your address, who you want it made out to. So MikeNeighbors.com for autographs, uh, Amazon.com. Uh, ready right now the perfect holiday gift and it's autographed by you not drew right yeah which may take the value <laughs> down a little bit uh, i'm glad you clarified that because we don't want any false advertising no bait and switch here you know all right no that's great it's a hot commodity for sure i can't wait to pick up a copy thank you so much for joining us today i appreciate giving us a little insight on the book and then of course talking some saints with us as well i appreciate you guys a great deal thank you Thank you so much to Mike for spending some time talking to us about the book and of course the Saints in general. Really appreciated him taking the time to do that today. And John, I think it was a really interesting conversation. Definitely looking forward to reading the book. And as we look ahead for the Saints next matchup, they are playing the Jets. The Jets three and nine had a bit of a, um, a struggle this season. And I know they're not very good in the run game. And that's where the Saints excel. So what is it going to take in the passing game for the Saints to kind of counteract what the Jets do? Well, I mean, that's a really good question because the Saints haven't been a good passing team this season, unfortunately, and um, and they lose maybe their, their number one receiving threat in Deontay Harris, uh, who is now uh, going to be, be ser begin serving uh, a three-game suspension issued by the NFL. So that sure doesn't help things. Uh, what will help things uh, is – possibly a healthy Alvin Kamara, who still leads the receptions. Uh, that will help things. But, you know, the Saints have been a team that struggled throwing the ball. Um, the weather conditions 
in East Rutherford, New Jersey, do not promise to be great on Sunday. And so we'll see how that, that works. They did run the ball extremely well against Dallas with Taysom Hill back in the, back in the lineup. Uh, he ran for 100 yards. And uh, so maybe they'll have to take that tactic and, and, and kind of expand on it a little bit and, you know, be, be discretionary when they throw it. But uh, it, it's, been an, it's been a challenge for this team throwing the football for a ton of yards in games this whole season. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be a whole lot different on Sunday. Uh, it's just going to be one of those games where they're going to have to figure out whatever method it is and ride it. And it might just be running the ball against the Jets. I hope for your sake that the weather is not going to be like it was in <laughs> Buffalo on Monday night, because that looked absolutely miserable. And I am assuming that you're going to spend most of your time in the press box anyways. So you're not going to have to worry about it too much, right? Of course, of course. But I mean, you know, <laughs> Yeah, now, here's the thing. Media, God, media we've gotten so soft because we complain about everything. So, you know, I'll be outside for 20, 30 minutes on Sunday early and um, and I'm going to complain about it. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> but it won't be bad. I'll be inside. You know, the players get all the elements. We'll be outside just long enough to finish up the pregame show, which, you know, like I said, you know, 20, 30 minutes tops if it's that long. And, and then we'll hustle back inside. So, and, you know, a videographer. Brendan Hassett, that's the dude who's going to catch yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> he and uh, he and Alex, Alex Restrepo, because I'll, I'll be inside. Once I once I finish up, you know, I'm I'm old and I'm soft and I'll be inside. Okay. I felt bad for everybody in that game on Monday night. I mean, it looked miserable out there and it's just cold up there anyways. Um, yeah. So we mentioned Deontay Harris, obviously dealing with some COVID issues now in some other areas, it looks like. Cameron Jordan has had a positive test and he's going to have to get two negative tests in order to play. It's a possibility that he is available for this game on Sunday. So we're going to watch that along with some of the other injuries that you mentioned. There are a few guys we're still really hoping to get back for this ball game. A little bit more time to get ready. Um, Wednesday will be an official first day to kind of gear up for this Jets game. We'll be an injury report out later today and then each day leading up to the game on Sunday. All right, uh, John, when are you leaving? When are you heading out for the game? Well, we roll out on Saturday. And since it's an early game, we roll back Sunday night. We'll be a little bit late, but uh, we get a chance to, to get back home. Uh, so it'll just be a quick two-day trip. I'll fly into East Rutherford. Uh, excuse me, that's mistaken. Fly into Newark, New Jersey. Uh, the stadium's in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. And uh, we'll be in and out pretty quick. So uh, even if it's bad weather, we won't have to be there that long. So, <laughs> you know, that's always yeah. able to get back home quick. Perfect. Well, again, appreciate Mike Neighbors for joining us, John. Thank you. And we're going to we're get back to a little bit of a normal schedule here. We got some Sunday games lined up. It's definitely we're winning out so we can solidify our spot in the NFC South and and get into the playoffs. That is the goal here. All right, we'll be back with you for more on the New Orleans Saints podcast this Friday with Sherry Burris. She's going to be a sideline reporter for the CBS game on Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us today.